Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss. I'm excited to welcome Pastor John Christensen on the show today. John is the Mission and Evangelism Associate and Director of Young Adults at Grace Church here in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and he will be showing us why we can trust the Bible. John, how are you? Doing great, Noah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, brother. Good to have you here. And John, the Bible is commonly seen as one book, but it is, in fact, 66 different books written by 40 different authors. Share with our listeners some of the key details regarding the construction of the Bible. Yeah, it's a great, great point you make, Noah. You know, it is multiple books. It's 66 books combined into one book, the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible uh, compilation of, of, well, knowledge that the Holy Spirit inspired through 40 different authors, as you mentioned. It's incredible. It's written over the course of about 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is that over the course of 1,500 years, you have this 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 Bible, this book made of 66 individual books uh, that all tell the same story, mm-hmm. that, that tell the story uh, of the gospel, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an incredible, incredible story. And and so the Bible was written, Old Testament was written by, by the prophets. And in, in the Old Testament, New Testament written by mainly the, the apostles or those who were close associates with apostles. And so it, it is amazing just how over 1,500 years God just orchestrated the story mm-hmm. of, of redemption through, through His son, through son, Jesus. And I think the one thing, too, to, to keep in mind about the Bible when we think about its construction is, is that ultimately it's, it's rev, God revealing Himself. Yeah. It's called special revelation. So, you know, yeah. in, in seminary they'll talk about like a natural revelation of like the creation ta- talking about God and displaying the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Well, special revelation is... Yeah is the Bible. And so I think when we approach God's Word, you know, we, we shouldn't necessarily approach it as just a, a set of rules or things we have to do, but ultimately it's like a letter from God saying, this is who I am. Yeah. And like, this is how yeah. I've acted in creation, like, and ultimately it's to know me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things to keep in mind when we look and approach the Bible is that it is, it is God revealing Himself and His glory is the ultimate goal. Absolutely, John. I think that's a, such a cool perspective too, because we can often approach the Bible so academically. We miss out on that special revelation you mentioned, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and John, one of the key verses in helping us understand the divine nature of the Bible is 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Unpack for us what Paul means by stating that scripture is God-breathed and the balance that exists between the words of the Bible being inspired by God, but also written by human hands. 
I love the way you phrase that question, Noah, the, the balance of God inspiring it, but also be written, uh, being written by human hands. You know, there's, there's a number of, of uh, theories that have been put out there, uh, some far less accurate and biblical right. than others. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's kind of two ditches of either you can have way too much man on one side, mm-hmm. or you can have all God with, with no man on the, the other right. side. Right. And so where's that road in the middle? And so on the one side where you have way too much man, there's there's theories called like like dynamic inspiration where mm-hmm. the thoughts are inspired, but the exact words are dynamic. And what mm-hmm. that exactly means is, is not fully clear. Right. But the problem with it is, I don't know how you can say the thoughts are inspired when the words aren't, because the words are what make up the thoughts. Right. And yeah. so if, if the building block isn't there, mm-hmm. the ho- how can you say the house is sturdy if, it, if it's missing a bunch of bricks right. or if the bricks are getting yeah. interchanged? Um, yeah. And so that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Kind of in that yeah. same ditch is, is like partial inspiration where they would say the Bible is infallible in faith and practice uh, for morals, um, mm-hmm. but it's not without error. So they would say like it might have historical errors or errors in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with that is... You know, if, if you start picking and choosing what's an error, you have essentially, instead of putting the Bible in authority over you, you've placed yourself in authority judging the Bible. Right. And so how, how do you know what is what is error and what's mm-hmm. not? Well, essentially, you're just picking and choosing whatever you want. Yeah. And so that's, that's a really dangerous road to start yeah. walking down. Uh, on the other side is uh, is the ditch of uh, what I would call like the dictation theory, where mm-hmm. it was it was just God giving them the exact words, so no personal writing style, no uh, individual thought from any of the the writers, but it was just God literally giving them word for word what to write down. Mm. And the problem is when we look at the Bible, we we do see individual writing styles. So like right. Paul, who was educated in yep. in the school of Gamaliel, was, was much more articulate, uses much more advanced Greek than like yeah. the Apostle John. Right. And so again, we're looking at okay, how does this work with the Bible? Well, the the I think the best view would be what's called. Um, verbal plenary inspiration, which is the words are without error that God protected the writers from writing anything that would have error in it, but he didn't fully override everything in a sense where they could still keep their personal traits, their individual background, their literary styles. Yeah. Um, and that that would probably be the, the most orthodox view that I would really commend. And, and one thing, just to bring this to a, a practical level, you know, we're talking about who cares about all these different theories. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of churches right now that are jettisoning the the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And that's a really dangerous game to play. And you can get away yeah. with it for a, a few years, but eventually what starts as error in the first generation will be heresy in the next. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you start down a slippery slope, the next generation is going to take it that much farther. And so yeah. what I would just say from a practical standpoint is, you know, you want, you want churches that uh, have in their... Uh, statement of faith, not just infallible, but inerrant or without error. And yeah. what that means is even more than infallible, without error means that the words in the original Greek manuscripts were fully inspired, each yeah. word. And I think we see that in in uh, Jesus and in Paul. You know, in Matthew 22, 31, Jesus actually refutes the Pharisees at like uh, the, the word level. He mm-hmm. says, um, or he's refuting the Sadducees rather, He's talking about the resurrection from the dead, how, how God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say, I was the God. Of, right. So he's literally talking at like a, a yeah. verb tense level. Yeah. Like that's how 
Jesus is scrutinizing the Old Testament scriptures, and Paul does the same thing in Galatians. Uh, he doesn't use a verb tense level, but he uses plural. He says, he talks about, uh, you know, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, and he does not say offsprings, referring to many, but he's referring to one. And so, so Paul is working at, like, he's analyzing a specific word. Yeah. Like, yeah. plural or singular. And so, right. you know, I, I think Jesus and Paul both kind of set a precedent there that they are taking every single word of the Old Testament really, really seriously. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that uh, verbal plenary inspiration, that without error, is really important for us to to look at. Yeah, John, absolutely. I think that's just such a common question um, in in the modern culture of how is it possible that this this work can be inspired. And kind of as you mentioned, there has been this this recent push that the Bible isn't the inspired Word of God, but rather it's just this collection of books uh, from individuals that had these experiences with God and because of that, we can say the Bible does progress with the times and with the culture. So what is the danger in taking hold of that false teaching? Yeah, great, great question. That, that, and that would be way further even uh, in the ditch of too much human. That's all human and no God. Mm-hmm. That's maybe what, what we call like an intuition theory or, or something of that nature where yeah. it was just a bunch of wise people writing this. Right. And I would say one thing, one of the problems with it and real dangers with it is is it totally removes God from the equation yeah. and elevates you or I to God. Totally. Meaning we're the ones who are deciding what we're writing. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, I've met enough smart people that I don't I don't need more wisdom from earthly experts. I need I need God. Absolutely. I need I need divine revelation. Amen to that. And so Amen. essentially what, what it does is it reduces it down to nothing the Bible would be the nothing more than Aristotle or Socrates or any other religious figure. Right. Um, the, yeah. the the authority of the Bible hinges upon is it God saying this or not? Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah. that's something that is, is really important because you're just reduced essentially to a moral relativist where you don't have an anchor and you're just choosing what you want to believe yeah. um, if, so if God didn't write it. And so, you know, I, I think that's a really dangerous road to walk down. Uh, there's a really famous book called Christianity and Liberalism, not political liberalism. It's talking about theological liberalism where they just threw out um, parts of the Bible and it's mm. by a guy named uh, J. Gresham Machen, but it talks about just the... How, like, if we throw out the Bible as far as, like, being inspired by God, um, you know, you, you can call yourself Christian, but you're not really even a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he, yeah. he was a, a theology professor at Princeton yeah. uh, back in the early 1900s, and uh, it, it is, it's a really, really big deal to, to ultimately take God out of the picture. Yeah, it is, John, and I think we're, you made a great point that at that level, uh, the Christian faith really isn't powerful, and it can't be trustworthy um, if we're trusting just people to point out the entire faith for us. And I think that's really where I have uh, found trusting the Bible as divine and inerrant so valuable and important, is it is really what we stake the hope on, um, is that these words are divinely inspired. So I appreciate you sharing that, John. I think it is something to continually stand firm in is the inerrancy of Scripture. So I appreciate you sharing that. And John, another big question, it seems fairly trustworthy to many Christians, including myself, that the Old Testament is the Word of God, as Jesus often quoted Old Testament Scripture as being God's Word. But how can we be sure that the New Testament Scriptures are also the Word of God? That's a great question, Noah, because we do want to know, like, are we believing what's true? Yeah. And that's one of the things that, and we'll talk more about that, but that, that our faith is not blind, that I'm amazed mm. at how, how much evidence God has given us. Yeah. As you alluded to, yeah, the Old Testament 
was uh, around uh, years before Jesus, at the very latest, it was maybe a hundred years before Jesus came around, but probably yeah. three, four hundred years it was fully established and accepted. Right. And and so we do. We see all the the writers of the New Testament quote. Not every single one, but most of the writers of the New Testament quote the Old yeah. Testament. I think there's over 280 Old Testament quotes wow. uh, in the New Testament. Uh, I think uh, we see Jesus really value, uh, um, validating the Old Testament where he talks in Luke 24. He refers to the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. This is Luke 24, 44, and 45. Yeah. Law, prophets, and the Psalms, which is, which is the way of referring to only... The, those 39 books in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that we have today. Yeah. Um, and so, and then the verse later, Jesus uh, validates it as Scripture. And so mm-hmm. I think we do have a lot of uh, evidence from the apostles in Christ about the Old Testament, but you alluded to the New Testament. How, how do we know? Yeah. And I think it's a really fair question. I think the best answer that I've ever heard of this uh, to this is uh, from a, a professor named named Vodi Bakum. Yeah, he uh, is a professor over actually in Zambia. He's mm-hmm. he was an American, but went over there now to teach teach theology. Mm-hmm. And he he said this statement. He says, whenever someone asks me about the reliability of the Bible, he he says this, and he says, I, I choose to believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. And they report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. Mm. And so wow. he, he just he memorized that and he just kind of rattles that off anytime yeah. he, he, he runs into this. But mm-hmm. I, I think what he says is really impactful. He says, you know, I choose to believe the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents. And so we do. We have many, many manuscripts and historical documents verifying the New Testament. You know, many people will say that uh, the scriptures uh, have really changed. But what's amazing is we can go back to many of these manuscripts from the the second century, even yeah. you know, just fifty or so years after after Christ, where there were other eyewitnesses that could have said, "Hey, this is not true." Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what's amazing is is that the Bible was written in a time where there's a bunch of people who could have said, no, this this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so the, that in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses is so important yeah. that they wrote down and they and they reported supernatural events. I mean, they weren't um, trying to fake anything. They're like, no, this happened. Like, I know this might not be believe, like super yeah. believable, but we we got to write it down because this is what happened. Yeah. And then the amazing piece too of just the fulfillment of specific prophecies of just of just prophecy after prophecy, and we know that the Greek translation of the Old Testament, where all these prophecies are found, was completed um, several hundred years before Jesus was born. Wow! And so this isn't like someone came in and filled these in later, right. or like wrote wrote in the Old Testament, you know, backfilled these prophecies. Yeah. No, they we know that they were given, and then this guy named Jesus shows up, wow. you know, born in Bethlehem. Born to a virgin, you know, lived this perfect life, died on a cross, just over and over and over in yeah. this, this just fulfillment after fulfillment. So where you look at his life and it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like at some point you gotta say, like, wow, this is God. Yeah. He really came down and yeah. did this. Yeah. And so I think the the number of things, one with all the manuscript evidence we have, the fact that it was with eyewitnesses and the time of eyewitnesses, mm-hmm. and then the prophetic um the prophetic confirmation, I think, is so important. And and to be honest with you, too, you know, the, the New Testament writers uh, claimed to 
uh, be inspired by the Spirit. You know, First yeah. uh, Corinthians two thirteen says, you know, these words are taught by the Spirit. And when it's Paul saying it, you know, First yeah. Thessalonians four talks yeah. about uh, Paul's words through the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Scripture validates itself. Um, in First Timothy five eighteen, Paul actually quotes Luke ten seven wow. um, when he says he labored. Uh, is worthy of his wages, and like Second Peter three fifteen and sixteen, where Paul, uh, or Peter calls Paul's writings scripture, and so wow. they cross validate each other too. And yeah. so there, there's uh, a movement where uh, you you might run into it, where some people will say like, "Well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in Paul." Yeah. Well, the, the problem is Peter's validating Paul, and you have all these people validating each other. Paul right. is validating Luke. Yeah. And, and so. You know, to just to just take one, try and take one piece of the New yeah. Testament and say, "Well, I'm going to believe this, but I'm throwing out the rest," totally. which you'll run into nowadays yeah. doesn't doesn't work real well. Yeah, absolutely, John. I appreciate you sharing, and I think what's always stood out to me—you uh, mentioned a lot of great things. Uh, specific prophecy is huge, and I think you know it's not like these Old Testament writers were like, "Oh, the sun's going to rise on the day Jesus is born," like something super vague and obvious. They're very, very specific and down to the detail of prophecies. Uh, one of my favorites is that Jesus will be sold for 30 silver coins. I think that's an amazing prophecy that um, was obviously written in, I think, Zechariah. Oh, um, it's astounding. So it's amazing prophecies, and I appreciate you sharing, too, uh, and being in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. You think about today, if something were to happen or somebody claimed that something happened, there would be an outcry against it if it wasn't true. Uh, and we don't see that. We see that there was support for this, uh, these events happening. So, John, I appreciate it, um, and definitely some wise words, and we, we appreciate it so much. And John, too, I think what you often hear is, yeah, so the Bible, you know, you talk about it and it's, it's divinely inspired. But what about these other books that are often seen as holy or divine, uh, the Quran or the Vedas? What separates the Bible from these other uh, holy religious texts? It's a great question. Yeah, you know, Jesus wasn't the only one who claimed to have a religious corner on the market. Yeah. And I think that's actually the first thing to note is that, by definition, all these other religions are exclusive. Yeah. Absolutely. They all claim to be the truth. Yeah. And so that's, I guess, the first thing I'd say is one is these, this idea that all religions are the same or that all religions lead to the Father. The answer is is no. They, yeah. they all claim exclusivity. Absolutely. And so that's, I think, the first thing to note and just to know that Jesus did too. And if, if there were other ways to the Father, Jesus was pretty foolish to die on a cross. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you do that if there were other ways mm-hmm. to get to the Father? But he yeah. says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no yeah. one who gets to the Father except through me. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that, you know, when people come to me and just at a practical sense of like, hey, you know, I believe all religions go to heaven. And um, I just point out to them, what you're actually saying by that is that Jesus was pretty stupid yeah. for coming and dying on a cross and yeah. going through all that pain and the yeah. wrath of God poured out upon him if there was another way. In fact, right. in the garden, he was praying to the Father, Lord... If there's any other way, take this cup from mm, me. Yeah. And the yeah. Father's like, no, <laughs> there's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but to get to your question about like the Quran and the, and the Vedas, I think it's a, it's a fair question. And I, I want to just start by just qualifying that I am I'm not nearly as much of an expert in the Quran and the Vedas as, as, I, as I know the Bible. And I, and I also am hesitant to, uh, uh, you know, casting stones. Uh, I heard a, a speaker once say... Uh, when you when you throw mud at someone, you end up getting your hands dirty and losing a lot of ground. Yeah. And so I, I'm always I'm always hesitant to uh, to to throw mud at at, at anyone. But I, I will say a couple things. 
One is that uh, they don't have the manuscript evidence like the Bible. Yeah. It, it's pretty incredible. You know, the Vedas were written, uh, they think, somewhere between like uh, 1500 and 1000 BC, so about, about 1000 years or 1500 years before Christ. And, and they were passed down by oral tradition. Mm. And so by, or, by oral tradition, that means just verbally, not, not written down. Right. And, and eventually they were uh, written down, but I, I think that is much harder to establish. If things are written down, things can change totally. much more easily. And one of the things we have with the Bible is we can go back to those second century manuscripts and yeah. see what was written and compare it to what we have now, which yeah. is incredible. So cool. And even today, you know, I think of... Uh, of uh, just those those two that you listed, the Quran and the Vedas, and and I've heard of the Quran too, by the way, that their oral tradition actually was a long time before they wrote it, wrote it down, like two hundred years. But then I've heard others where it was shorter. So I'm actually not sure how long yeah. that Muhammad supposedly had a, a revelation from from the angel to when it was actually written down. Yeah. But the, but the one thing I do know is you know as we think about this practically, and those who are listening, like like man, how, how do I like? In, know about these things there's so much to know about the Quran and the Vedas like how, how do yeah. you begin to approach the subject and, and right. the way I approach it is this is is that the one principle you can always go back to is if something is not willing to be scrutinized you should be pretty skeptical that it's true yeah and and one of the reasons I say that is because one with the Vedas in Hinduism many Hindus will still say that you have to, you have to have the Vedas dictated to you and taught to you by a specific priest in order to gain the secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you if you just read it on your own, you'll never you'll never get all the secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, but what they've done essentially by saying that is meaning that the common person can't investigate it. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to have this guru or this Hindu priest to really tell you. And like, if you just investigate, you won't you won't really know all the secret knowledge. Wow. And so, so there's that aspect of like, okay, the common person can't investigate it. And then on the Quran side, you have just, uh, if you question Muhammad or the Quran, you'll be killed. Wow. So there, there is no textual criticism of the Quran. There is no yeah. looking back at the history of it or saying, hey, is, is, has this been translated right over the past, wow. you know, 13, 1400 years since Muhammad wow. was around in the 600s, uh, 600 AD. Um, and so you have this, 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 Essentially, these two that that are really unable to be scrutinized, especially the Quran. Like you think of, uh, you know, the, there's that satirical, um, those satirical comics that of Muhammad in France, and then the yeah. terrorists attacked. You know, yeah. like any attack on Muhammad or the Quran, you you won't live. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I sometimes think about Richard Dawkins. You know, if he ever went to Saudi Arabia and said the things about religion there. That he yeah. says here, he oh, he wouldn't need a he wouldn't need a two way trip. He could just have a one way ticket. You're right. Um, but he, but the principle being this is that then you go on the other side to the Bible, where there's literally been hundreds of thousands, probably millions of man hours, yeah. invested in debunking, disproving, critiquing the Bible, and it yeah. has stood the test of time. Yeah. And, and my question just is is this is if truth is really on your side, why are you afraid to let it get critiqued? Absolutely. And the Bible says, bring it on. Yeah. And it's been incredible. Like, I, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration that, you know, over history to hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of man hours of, of people trying to debunk it. Right. And it stood yeah. the test of time. And Absolutely. there's the story that's sometimes told of, of the French skeptic and uh, really antagonist to Christianity, Voltaire. 
of he said, you know, the, the, that the Bible will be dead and gone um, within 100 years of my death. And the irony of it, within 100 years of his death, the, the French Bible Society owned his house. <laughs> and they were they had gospel tracts yeah. within I think it was something within like fifty eight wow. years or something and there was gospel tracts being distributed from his house wow. and like so yeah. I mean it's just just uh, yeah. it's one of those things I've heard someone say uh, that that the Bible outlasts its pallbearers meaning it it will it will last longer than mm-hmm. than any of us the the word of the Lord endures forever and so yeah. it, it's been amazing to me to just see the Bible and how. The greatest, to me, one of the greatest differences between those those holy books and the Bible is just how much yeah. scrutiny the Bible has under undertaken, and there's yeah. been very little for these others. And just which which then do you think is is true? Yeah, absolutely, John. That's a great point, and I think what's so special you, you talked about those man hours. We live in a day and age where it is so easy to come across so many different texts and, and books and writings online about these truths about the Bible. And so I'd say to our students, don't just listen to John or anybody else that unpacks these truths about the Bible. Go investigate it yourself. If you have doubts, dig in, understand your doubts, and have your questions answered because the information is there. And I think that will encourage you to, to grow in your faith. It happened for me. Um, questions were something I was always afraid of. And when I finally faced them and came to recognize that there, there are answers, that it helped my faith grow exponentially. Um, so I'd say for our listeners, don't shy away from questions. It's okay to have questions. And there's so many good resources out there uh, that you can find. Um, and definitely don't shy away from, from asking those questions. It's a great I, word, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it, John. And we've been talking a lot about manuscripts, John, and, and what was originally written down and how far we can go back. And some skeptics think that over time the scriptures have been changed um, and what was originally written down has been lost. How can we be sure that the scriptures we read today weren't altered over time? Yeah, you know, and that that really is the foundational question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Has our faith been altered? And the amazing thing, again, is how God has preserved so many thousands of manuscripts. Mm -hmm. I I wish I knew the exact number, but it's it's just astronomical compared to the next uh, historical document. I think the next nearest historical document is like Plato's Republic or something like that, Mm -hmm. that just is... um, it has maybe a handful of manuscripts, and then the Bible which just has thousands. I think, like, I think it's twenty five thousand. Something, something like that. It's it's many. And, and when we say manuscripts, I, I want to be fully honest. It doesn't mean like full, uh, uh, full scripts of the Bible. Right. These are these are little pieces of the Bible. You know, that we're talking two thousand years ago, like right. little manuscript, little um, pieces of like John, you know, John three or something that we found right. or whatever. But ultimately, yeah. you can piece together the whole New Testament. Yeah. Um, over and over again with the, with these manuscripts, yeah. And so, yeah, a couple of things. I think one, I'd I'd really encourage uh, those listening to read uh, Don Byerly's "Surprised by Faith," wow. and it's the story of a skeptic, and he really dives into all the manuscript evidence and of the New Testament and how incredible it is. Mm-hmm. And and the second thing I would say is, uh, you know, we have these thousands of little manuscripts, and it it would be disingenuous to say that there's no differences. Um, there are some where there are uh, really like a bunch of like minor differences, like yeah. it might say uh, the sheep rather than a sheep. Mm-hmm. But what, what's amazing though is we'll have like six other manuscripts from that passage, and they all agree that it's a sheep. Yeah. And so even with all these, uh, well, a fair number of little tweaks, like really insignificant changes in the manuscripts, 
pretty much all of them, we can figure out what was the original. Yeah. Because we have so many others that right. that corroborate and and uh, wow. and help support. Wow. Like, oh, okay, so it wasn't these sheep. These other six all agree it was a sheep, wow. and these are older than that. And so they have so many techniques. It's a whole science. Uh, this critical analysis of yeah. of scripture, but really, I guess, yeah. What I would say is. Uh, the amazing thing is that God has given us these manuscripts yeah. that we can have confidence that it hasn't been altered. Wow. Yeah. And, and that the original Greek that the apostles wrote is is what God wanted us to have. Yeah. And then we have a lot of church fathers, too, that, are, that quote a lot of Scripture, that, that verify a lot of the, yeah. um, the Scripture, which has been super helpful and a really gift from the Lord, too, that we have some of their yeah. um, writings still. Yeah, absolutely, John. And I think it just brings so much confidence uh, to myself and I'm sure so many other believers that we have these manuscripts and that God has preserved, as you said, um, all of these these texts that we can look at um, and, and be sure that what we're reading in 2022 is exactly what the apostles and gospel writers um, and Old Testament writers meant to write down. I think that's, that's a special blessing and um, it really does ins- encourage us to, to understand that this is a divinely inspired text. That's, that's awesome, John. I appreciate that. And lastly, John, what encouragement would you provide any Christian listening to this podcast who is struggling to trust the Bible? That's a great question, Noah, and I think I think that is truly a, a great place to land because ultimately what we want to do with this is to, to see faith arise and to see people trust in the Lord and trust in His Word and what yeah. He said. And so I'd say a couple things. One, I'd say... Um, and this will take some, I guess, self-evaluation by the listeners, but if, if you're someone who's genuinely, um, kind of wrestling, like what, what, what is this Bible thing? Can I really trust it? Um, I would, I would suggest Don Barley's Surprised by Faith. Yeah. Um, two, I would say if, if you're more of a skeptic and, and kind of a little bit cynical towards, uh, this manuscript stuff. I would I would read uh, "Why I Can Trust the Bible" by Dr. Timothy Jones. It's mm. it's a book actually written towards skeptics and uh-huh. those who had trouble believing. Yeah. And so again, that's why I can trust the Bible by Timothy Jones. I think two uh, books that aren't uh, necessarily geared, geared directly towards scripture, but you know, "Case for Christ," which was Lee Strobel. He set mm. out to to disprove Christianity, and he was an investigative journalist, and, and ended up finding it true. Um, wow. More than a carpenter. By Josh McDowell is, is really good, and it, and it just comes to the point of like, okay, here's who Jesus said he is. Here's here's what we know, mm-hmm. and like you then have to make the decision: is he God? And if he is God, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And so I, I think more than a carpenter is really good. It, it looks at Jesus and and kind of cuts away some of all some of the weeds and and just what Hollywood has said about Jesus, you know, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, which is just rife with error, yeah. um, not historical at all. Um, but I really like that more than a carpenter. Um, <clears throat> I would say then, ultimately, that if you are are struggling to trust the Bible, is that ultimately it has to be relational, not merely intellectual. Mm-hmm. And meaning... Yeah. That's Ultimately, huge. what you need is not just intellectual assent. You need to meet the living God and His mm-hmm. Word. Yeah. And so I would say this is, I would do this with an open an open heart. I would I would start in the Gospel of John. I'd give you a twenty one day challenge, uh, twenty one chapters in the Gospel of John. You read one chapter a day, and as you read, 
thinking about the question, what does this say about God? And genuinely, before you read each chapter, you know, one, one a day, mm-hmm. I, would, I would ask God, you know, if you're real, if this is truly a word, would you reveal yourself to me? And, and I, I think he will. I mean, the evidence is there, and I think he'll open your eyes. You know, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, um, you'll seek me and you'll find me. He's talking to Israel. Um, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Yeah. Um, Matthew 7 says, seek Amen. and you will find. And so that, that would be my encouragement is, is, yes, I think this intellectual stuff is good. I think it really supports uh, the faith, and, and, man, it just helps ground you. But ultimately, yeah. um, you need to you need to meet God and His Word, and, and I think He will if you genuinely seek Him. Absolutely, John, and I think that is profound, profound advice. You think about what the Bible is about, and it's it's about God and how He relates to His people and in His plan for salvation. And I think if you don't have the relationship and you just have religion, and you'll never really submit yourself to that. Yeah, um, I've seen that in my own life. Really, is that reality of it wasn't until I met Jesus until I have that relationship until my life actually changed. Right. Um, so I, I think that's profound, profound knowledge and advice and definitely would encourage our students to, to do what you said and get into God's word and pray that he reveals himself. It's awesome, John. And John, thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge with us. We are grateful for the work you are doing at Grace Church. Well, thanks for having me on. No, it's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely, brother. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.